You're listening to the New Century Multiverse. Steamheart. Part 4. The Turning Point. Chapter 33. Marooned. From the Journal of Annie Yokely. Somewhere in Mississippi, July 18th. The woods loomed behind us. We had to get off this cliffside. Sparks was circling Steamheart, inspecting the damage. She was crying. This did not bode well. Pines was assisting her and handing over whatever tools were asked for. But he was still visibly shaking. James was talking quietly with Butler and Raven was sitting next to Miguel. The two of them didn't speak. The journalists seemed to know when words were meaningless. And just being there and feeling similarity would suffice. Maybe there was hope for him yet. Abigail stood over by the cliffside. As I approached, my adrenaline began to pump again. Her expression was strange and she was staring over the edge. What are you thinking there, Sergeant? I asked, internally berating myself for the overly chipper delivery. That was not what was needed right now. Just about how brave Prow was. Taking herself away from the rest of us. She locked her eye on mine in a meaningful way. So she couldn't hurt anybody. Great. How about we take a walk? It's been a hell of a couple of days and... No. I don't think I'll be walking much more. She said. Her voice haunted. I recall last year how, when locked in a burning mansion filling up with wendigos, she had first considered using the last two bullets on James and herself to save them from an agonizing death. And then very nearly made a heroic last stand to protect him. In these times, a lot of us have come to see the act of suicide as less of a sin. Some rules we used to live by have slackened up. Nobody wants to think of their loved ones condemned to limbo. Although sometimes, it feels like that would be a step up from this hard existence. Even I, raised a Quaker, can fully understand how a person could have simply had enough with living a nightmare every day and reject the gift of life. I don't see a kind God behind the idea that you have no choice but to carry on pushing through the pain, no matter what. Far as I'm concerned, That's a deeply personal decision, and one I would fight for someone's right to make. However, inside Abigail's head is that starlit eye, and that's a responsibility which goes far, far beyond her own life. Now she stood at the precipice, contemplating. 
If she jumped, she would die hundreds of feet below me. And who knew where the endowment might end up? A goddamn raccoon could be the closest living thing to her. Or whatever was in there could just drift away. It seems like you need to talk, Abigail, I ventured. You want to just go talk? Maybe have a drink? I think Butler has a few drops of that honey bourbon left. She turned to me sadly and shook her head. Then took a serious step towards the edge. Instinctively, my hand went to my pistol. She spotted the movement and her eye narrowed. I fucking knew it. She growled, then turned about and strode away from the cliff back towards the steam craft. I rushed over to keep pace with her. I got my orders, Gray, and so have you. Oh, now you're just following orders? You keep risking your damn life. I, and I have to keep that thing safe and in the right hands. At least one of us has to take some responsibility for it. Listen, if you're gonna shoot me, then shoot me. But at least have the decency to put one in my face, not my back. I wouldn't shoot you. Not unless you were about to become irretrievable. Good. Because it seems like the biggest danger I'm in is being snuffed out by my own captain. I ain't leaving this team even if I want to. So you carry on guarding my ass. But you and I are done. This last part was delivered with bitter venom. I could feel my heart breaking. She turned about and stalked off. I took the job to give you the best chance of living, Gray. Best chance of living I have is getting away from you, Captain. She shouted back. Then, as she climbed up into Steamheart, and Harry looked at her in shock, she hissed. Don't think about going anywhere. She might put a bullet in you, too. James was now staring at Butler. He knew... I found myself walking down the track, breathing deeply. This breakdown was going to be big, and I didn't, I didn't want anyone seeing or hearing. Finally alone, I let out an anguished wail of frustration and sorrow. Burning tears poured forth in everything I'd been bottling up for months came flooding out. I wallowed in self-pity over the unfairness of all of this. What was I supposed to do? Lie to my director? Break my promise to a dead man? Refuse my duties? Betray my nation? Murder my friend? I sobbed a hole in the ground for an hour into the evening. I entertained the idea that Wendigos might pour out of the forest and rip me into a thousand pieces. I fantasized about Seth returning on his manticore bearing me up in those enormous arms of his and biting into my neck as I surrendered to him just to turn me just to take away this conflict 
this pain, this terrible responsibility, just so it could be over. Then I would run naked and free and think of nothing but my next meal and a warm place to hide. As soon as these notions had played themselves out, I chastised myself for thinking them. But on a level which I never shared with anyone, not even Butler, I wanted to keep those nasty, sweaty, delicious thoughts locked up for safekeeping. I would never throw them out. They were mine. When I turned around and walked a little way, my husband was standing there waiting. He knew me well enough to allow me to unleash myself. Miguel, I sit in silence. There is nothing to say. She is gone. I think of the time atop the waterfall, when she was ready to throw me through the wind door, back to my world, alone. Then I could imagine her apart from me, back in Rama, with her tribe, living her life, maybe finding a measure of peace. That would have spurred me on to seek out my own, because I know it is what she would want. But now she has ceased to be, and I do not know who I am anymore, if I am not her son. Annie comes to me late in the evening and sits down. I know you're feeling a lot of things right now, she confides quietly. But let me take one of them for you and and just dissolve it. Yes. The fear that with her gone, nobody nobody will be here to look after you. I'll make sure you have a place, Miguel. All of us will. You're a great kid, smart, resourceful, and you survived in places most people would just wither. I think, I know you'll get through this. She trained you good enough. Heck, if you want, if you want, we, we can speed you through cartographer training. You're already more than qualified. Annie wrapped her arm around me, and I crumpled against her. Rest now, hermanito. Her words are comforting, and I am grateful to Annie and all of my new companions being here for me. But I do not want to think about my purpose right now. I am simply trying to come to terms with the great absence 
she has left behind. James. Things have gotten very tense within our steamcraft. Harry could not move us very far, even after hours of work. We managed to get back down the ridge and onto the plane, puttering along at only a few miles an hour. It's no good, she called out. The boiler's overheating. If I push her much further, it's gonna blow. And then we're really screwed. Settle here, said Butler, who had taken command. We're far enough away from the woods and the moon is bright enough we can see him coming. I'll stay up on watch all night. The rest of you, get some shut-eye. We'll figure this out in the morning. The morning came and brought with it headaches, cramps, and more tension. Pine seemed ill, which was cause for serious concern, but on inspecting him I found he was simply run down. Every one of us had hit a wall. Miguel still wasn't speaking. Abigail wouldn't stay in the same compartment as Annie. Things were strained between Butler and I, even though I had confided in him that I understood their position. Raven spent the whole night fleshing out his notation for the book that would detail Harrow and Miguel's story. Harry was attempting to hold things together, but had gone into her trance state repeatedly. She told us in moments of returning to composure to just let her do this, that it was in fact the best chance we had to figure our way out of this disaster. Steamheart stood stranded in the middle of the Mississippi grasslands, a tiny island in a wild ocean. Not another human soul was in sight. Okay. Here's what we can do, said Harry, standing with her arms folded at the head of the group. I prepared for times when we couldn't find wood. Steamheart can be pulled by a minimum of six horses, if I put her in neutral gear. This means the wheels will just turn and they can drag us. It'll be slow, but if we can get to the nearest inhabited city, I can maybe find the parts I need to repair her enough to run the boiler safely. Now, where might that city be? Butler pored over the most up-to-date map of the area we had. Jackson was deserted. Though we could maybe scavenge some supplies. In fact, we could feasibly do that, hopping from place to place until we find somewhere with people. The garrison at Vicksburg isn't too far away, maybe another day's ride on a regular horse, so three or four with the load we have, but... But we'll take it slow. And how far to a real, proper city with technology? Harry asked. Butler traced a line with his finger. Memphis. Everyone drew a breath. That's more than 250 miles north. We can still do it. If we just take our time and go easy on the horses. What horses? The horses I have to find us. Where? I'll lasso them for us one at a time, soon as we can find a patch of wild stallions. <sighs> you got time to tame them one by one? Right now we have nothing but time. As he said this, Annie, who had been studying a second map, laid it out and put her finger down. There's a town nearby. Or, there was. This here new one hasn't been filled in, which means the cartographer didn't go and look. But, the original map says there was a place called Green Hollow. Butler compared the two. It's about five miles away. I can get there on foot. Just let me go alone. 
They're women, and this is Mississippi, so definitely not Harry. If I'm not back in a day, send Raven. You can afford to lose him, too. Fuck you, Pushbroom. Seriously, though, if I don't come back, I might simply have been eaten by Wendigos. You have to try to make this one work. If not Green Hollow, send Pines or Raven... Or Miguel. Thank you, son. Or Miguel to one of the other places. We're running low on food and we're exposed. We're none too far from a Wendigo-filled forest, which means we can't afford to wait around out here. And Vicksburg is still 50 miles off. So that's a last resort without at least one horse. He popped the hatch, <laughs> retrieved his survival pack, and stood silhouetted in the morning sun. You'll want to remove these flags and all signs of this being property of the RSA government. I'll tell them we're just travelers in a machine I invented. We'll get to work, said Annie. Be safe. Hope I see you all later. And with that, he was gone. We followed the plan and stripped Steamheart of Americana and official markings, painting over some sections with smears of engine oil. Then we waited and waited. I found pines near the back with Miguel and spoke in a low voice. One thing that's been bothering me, I began, sitting down beside them. Why do we think Green Hollow is still going to be populated if Seth claimed dominion over all of these states, specifically the one with the southern door? Would he not get to work on turning every human or feeding them to his family? I thought about that too, said Pines. If they are still alive, bear in mind we've heard of a lot of activity in these border states up until recently, so chances are pretty good that we'll find someone out here. But if they're alive, maybe he's biding his time. Alternatively, maybe he's keeping a balance, picking them off here and there rather than wiping them out. Like cattle. Exactly. My guess is, though, that if we can somehow stick to this bargain, and Lord knows if that's possible after what happened yesterday... He paused, worried he'd upset Miguel, but the boy gestured for him to continue, his face solemn. That anyone living in the border states is going to be on an extinction clock. Sooner or later, the Wendigo population will outnumber and overwhelm them. They will be the very definition of what Thomas Arlington feared for America. Scattered, helpless pockets. Taken by the tide. Then let's hope they survived at least this long. I whispered. Abigail. In the front section, Annie was giving Harry a stern lesson in real-world politics. Listen, Sparks, the captain said. I hate to be the one to tell you this. Up until now, we've been able to get away with treating you like an equal. But, unfortunately, round here, folks would get real angry if they were presented with that. They might kill you just for being here on their land. What am I supposed to do then? Harry pleaded. Be... dumb. Annie said, her voice strained. Literally, do not say anything at all. You just have to be mute and, and act real boring. Take off that tool belt and those goggles. Un untuck that shirt. Act like you're as gentle as a lamb and dumb as a sack of hammers. 
anyone asks you to do something, you do it. And if you're not sure, come ask me. But I'll be close. So I'll do all the talking for you. I don't know how to do this. And, and why should I have to? Because they think they're better than black folks. But, and they're secretly scared they aren't. What about what my mom and dad were doing? The handbook and the cartographers probably didn't get here yet. Annie said, gentler now. And they'd likely be very angry with us. Just for trying to spread it around. Pines. Hey, Jeremy? Harry called. Can you come help me with something up here? I was wedged into the lower rear section, trying to cover over her a particularly tenacious and shiny embossed RSA flag without making it look too obvious. I obligingly extricated myself and scurried up the side of the steam craft to join her, sitting cross-legged on the roof. She was trying to bend parts of the framework back into place with a pair of pliers. I took the spare set she offered me and set to work on a different piece of the bent brass. However, as diligently as we worked, we could not get the circles perfect, only messy approximations, bearing the scars of their mauling by inhuman hands. As, uh, as I understand it... Harry muttered without looking at me. You're sexually inverse. I blinked at her incredulously. I've read that term in a book. There aren't many manuals for this. I, I'm sorry. She cast about for her point. I'm sexually inverse too, is what I'm trying to say. Well, I don't love that term. There's a couple of other words I've been called which I'd rather not use either. Sapphic was what Tabitha told me. Well, that's appropriate. Donald and I came up with Hermic for us, after the Greek messenger of the gods. But honestly, Harry, I knew you were that way a while back. You and Abigail were pretty overt about it. Abigail is kind of... both ways. She says she doesn't want to limit herself in the bedroom, but I'm happy enough with just girls. Well, that's fine. You want to talk about it? Definitely. But I'm scared about where we're going. The people there are already going to hate me for the color of my skin. Are they going to hate you for, for being hermic? Oh, they absolutely would. But I have the luxury of being able to conceal the truth, and I'm used to doing that in Washington anyway. Why? Why do they make us hide ourselves? Uh, the old world pushed the idea of men and women having babies. But I could have a baby. Just like Tabitha. I know, Harry. So could Donald and I. But there's all sorts of things in the Bible and other supremely old documents which warn of the dangers of doing what we do. How is it dangerous? Well, it's dangerous for us. Just because everyone else is so violent and fearful of breaking the traditional coupling. Hermes was, among other things, the god of transgressing boundaries, so you see... But it's not dangerous. Not, not for them. We're not hurting anyone. It's the opposite. Nothing about this makes sense. I need blueprints. Show your workings out, motherfuckers. She was furious. I'd never heard her curse like this before. 
Listen, Harry. The world is changing, and a lot more rapidly than it has been for the past few thousand years. The Wendigo is a major catalyst. You know what that is? Yeah, I know what a catalyst is. I'm a scientist. I'm sorry. Of course. Well, the Wendigo brought about all kinds of social change, and we're all struggling to keep up. She was angrily jabbing at the metalwork with her pliers now. I steadied her gloved hand with a gentle touch. I won't say it's easy being a hermic, or sapphic. It isn't at all. Or that it will be convenient keeping your nature under wraps. It probably won't be. But if you can do what I do, and keep who you love in private, you choose the right areas to live, the right career, and the right friends, you can be who you are inside when it counts. We just have to be patient while the world changes, and push in the right places. But don't tell anybody. No, not everybody needs to know. And Annie's right, though it's wretched just having to say the words. Keep to the back with your head down while we're in these parts for your safety. That will give us all the best chance of getting back home. I'm not with Abigail anymore. We're still friends, but... But there isn't any romance there. There will be others and having a friend of similar inclination is the kind of armor you need to build up around yourself. You've got another with me. Thank you, Jeremy. So, what else needs doing with this roof? This is as done as we're gonna get it. I gotta check the axles, patch up the brake cables, and reset the lobes on the double overhead camshafts if we're gonna be moving anytime soon. You're welcome to help me with that, of course, but... But as we go, can I can I tell you a little bit more about when I first knew? Absolutely. James, after a deeply uncomfortable night with no sign of Butler, we emerged to find six men riding towards us across the plain on horses. Where is he? Annie whispered and cocked her pistol behind her back. Howdy, fellas. She called as they drew close. You wouldn't have happened to see a gentleman with a big old mustache on your travels, would you? Mr. Butler's back in our village. The lead rider responded. Now where do we tie the horses onto this here carriage? Oh, thank you all so much, said Annie graciously sidling round to the front and surreptitiously reholstering her weapon. We travelled slowly with these grizzled men, who suggested we walk alongside to spare the weight for the horses, but Annie politely declined. We would simply be too easy to shoot and leave by the side of the road while they made off with Steamheart. They did not take kindly to the refusal, but took us all the way nevertheless. We approached a tall stockade beside a forest, and the wooden gates were pulled open to bring us inside. You have been listening to episode 33 of Steamheart, Marooned, written and directed by Alexander Shaw. Annie Oakley and Harry Arlington, performed by Loretta Saylor. Frank Butler, performed by Spencer Lieb. 
Jeremy Pines, performed by Matt Wardle. Abigail Gray, performed by Sharon Shaw. Raven, Miguel and James, performed by Alex Shaw. Make Your Decision by Dan Philipson of Shockwave Sound. Cowgirl Soldier, especially composed and performed for Steamheart by Gil Hayne Steinberg. Lightless Dawn, Water Lily, Revival and Ossuary, composed and performed by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. Many soundscapes including Desert Winds, The Desert Awaits and Crossroads by Tabletop Audio. Our $15 patrons get sponsor credit every episode, so a big thank you to Joel Robinson, Benjamin Biddle, Abel Savard, Michael Hasco, and newcomer John Clayson, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, Tyler Long, Adam Kilmartin, Joga Seeger, Greg Downing, Tim Rosinski, Christopher Wolf, Kat Esman, Cassandra Newman, Timothy Green, Matthew A. Siebert, Joseph Gluck, Kevin Otero, Luke Hatfield, Nick Ord, Duran Barnett, Tom Painter, Finbar Nicol, Jameis Enright, Mark Lutch, Dan Mayer, Joe Crow, Chris Finnick, Toby Jungius, Dave Hickman, Aaron Lecluse, Kieran Dashler, and Lorraine Chisholm. And you can join the discussion about the New Century Multiverse on our Discord server. Two things being discussed right now are secret rooms and the tragic events of the most recent episode.